Welcome to Top Advisor Marketing, where you will learn how to become a prolific online influencer, attract more ideal clients, and grow your practice. Brought to you by Top Advisor Podcasting, a done-for-you podcasting solution built just for trusted advisors. And now, your co-hosts of Top Advisor Marketing, Kirk Lowe and Matt Halloran. Hello and welcome to another Top Advisor Marketing Podcast. Today, Kirk and I are going to get a little personal here with everybody and talk about our resilience and how to find your resilience and how we have maintained this resilience, not just since we partnered uh, you know, a couple of years ago, but, but both of us have been fiercely entrepreneurial for a long time. So ready, Kirk? You ready to dive into this? I'm ready. All right. I, I took your instruction. I stepped a couple inches back from my microphone, so I'm not over-modulating. Nice. You know, I am. A, we had to redo this uh, this take. Well, and you know, you're also standing, which is another one of our best practices, and it's really important for us to do these finer point things to make sure that the audio quality is good. I really wish I had somebody in the room in my office here who who did take two. <laughs> we just did that so. virtually today. Well, yeah. would you mind uh, starting off with the the operational definition of of what resilience is? Yes, this definition is brought to you by the American Psychological <laughs> Association. We did not get any money for that. No, we didn't. But we appreciate them putting the definition on their website. Resilience is the process of adapting well in the face of adversity, trauma, tragedy, threats, or significant sources of stress. We can all relate to the last one, mostly. Mm-hmm. Such as family and relationship problems, serious health problems, workplace, and financial stressors. It means bouncing back from difficult experiences. Well, where did you get this from? Let's let's start with you. How did you find your resilience growing up throughout, you know, the 40 plus years you've been on this planet? Well, it, it's not from having a hard life, I don't think. I mean, everybody in our own right, but I had a, an incredible childhood. Doesn't mean my family didn't go through stuff, but I think I was always a really grateful kid. And I grew up in a smaller, smallish town, um, decent schools, tons of friends, lived on the lake, had a lot of freedoms, played a lot of sports. Um, so, had, so, I mean, I, I know we weren't, I wasn't expecting to go there in this podcast, but whatever. Um, but in my youth, I, I think sports, um, my mom was really resourceful and did a lot of stuff. She was a tireless worker, like in the community. She was a school teacher. We had, she had four kids. I was the oldest. I think being the oldest probably is part of my resilience too, to be honest. I was not only the oldest kid in my house, but I was the oldest cousin. So each of my parents were the oldest. So it kind of made sense in their families. My mom had eight, um, the eight in her family and four of my dad. So there was a lot of um, cousins and I was always the oldest of those as well. So I always had a lot of leadership opportunities in my household. Um, I need to put myself pay for my own university. My parents had a lot of other obligations. And back then it wasn't quite as big a deal about, you know, saving for your kids college. I don't know how many, you know, my generation, I'm, I was born in 1969. Um, I suspect there were lots of people who were in my shoes. So I had to you know, couldn't find the kind of job that could pay enough, in my opinion, for the work I wanted to do. So I started my own businesses, and then I uh, worked in bars to get through that. And then in sports, I um, was around some really crazy uh, good coaches. Uh, I used to do competitive uh, kayaking and canoeing, 
which was an amazing sport because for some reason in my childhood in this very small community on a lake, we had six national team coaches who passed through our community and coached us. It was incredible. I don't understand the odds of that. It was very strange. Met a number of Olympians over the years that um, had won medals for Canada, which was really cool as a kid. And I think that really helped me build a work ethic, which is part of resilience. For me, I think it's a big part of it. And um, so as a kid, those were some really big ones for, for me. How about you? So we grew up very, very, very poor. So, and very mobile. Uh, and, and so I think that uh, I wasn't the most grateful child just because I, I don't feel like I had a lot to be grateful for besides, you know, not even having basic needs met. But that really all changed when, when I went into the Navy. And that's really where I found my resilience because it was for the, it was the first time in my life where success was accessible. Right. When you're when you grow up very, very poor, you know, you you have things kind of stacked against you. And when I got into the military, there was nothing stacked against me. It was the harder I worked, the harder I studied, you know, the the volunteering for opportunities just really opened up a bunch of doors. And and it also helped me learn how my brain worked. I think my biggest way of maintaining resilience is truly understanding who I am and how I work. I didn't learn any of that until I was thrust into situations where I really had to know myself. And, you know, I mean, when you're 18 years old, you just turn 18 and you're in a war on a big ammunition ship that's a huge bomb and you're floating around in a war zone, really kind of makes you think about life a little differently and mortality and, you know, impermanence and all of those sorts of things. And then I always looked at failing forward. And I don't know who told me that early on in, in my my professional career, and it was probably in the service. I worked directly for my captain. I was basically like the Radar O'Reilly. Uh, I was his secretary and followed him around and he got yelled at all the time. Um, but it helped me understand that even if I made mistakes, I could still continue to progress or make progress because, you know, I made mistakes all the time in, in my captain's eyes, or at least that's what he told me on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. And so I always wanted to fail forward. And the other piece is I love risk. Uh, I love challenges. Uh, I was a I was a firefighter when I was in the Navy. I was a sniper when I was in the Navy. Uh, the firefighting thing on an ammunition ship is a huge risk and a huge responsibility. You know, I actually ran firefighting teams, so I learned leadership very early on. And I just I just realized that uh, I love risk. I love challenges. I, I love the unknown. And so since I embrace that so much, I think that allows me to continue to take risks. I mean, Kirk, you and I take risks. Hell, we took a huge risk two years ago when we merged, right? I mean, that was, we started from zero, zero real revenue because, I mean, you basically, you know, stopped prospecting from the tactic brand side and I totally stopped coaching and prospecting from the top advisor coaching side. And, you know, we, we were really, we took, both of us took huge steps back to take this big leap forward. And and I personally, and I know you do too, think it was really worth it. Yeah. I, we won't get into the, all the details, but it was definitely, there was a lot of stress around us getting this thing going. Mm-hmm. Um, but we both believed in it, you know, a lot and um, you know, it's, it's paying off so far. So far. Uh, <laughs> we're having a lot of fun. And I think, um, I think we're building a community of uh, people that are 
pretty dialed in and that's that's yeah. i think probably one of the most fun parts to see making a difference and um so many people kind of buying into what you're what you're trying to do not just what you're selling but what you're trying to do right so yeah you know my childhood um it's funny because we didn't have we didn't have um, like money mm-hmm. um there were you know, lots of years where it was was pretty tight and a couple you know um which was what it was like most of the time as a kid. But for some reason, um, we just lived in a, in a place in a community where there wasn't, there didn't seem to be a lot of pressure to, to be financially well off because everybody was kind of, kind of seemed like the same. I don't know if that makes any sense. It does. And it was just such an incredible area as a kid to grow up in, you know, a small town in Nova Scotia. Uh, but still have access, you know, close to the city and, uh, you know, good schools. And, um, but I think you learn. So I think gratitude probably has a, a big part. Although I, I always feel like I, I can do better with yeah. gratitude. Yeah. I think, but I think that's just, you know, you're human. Some people seem to really nailed it, but mm-hmm. um, they're in monk, they're in monasteries and stuff like that. <laughs> Well, you found this really great article uh, that had like ten ways to uh, to continue to refine it, to build it, to focus on it, and to maintain your resilience. We've already touched on a couple of them, but uh, the the first one is you know finding a sense of purpose in your life. I love the idea of what our vision is. You know, here at Top Advisor Marketing, which is to help advisors get their voice out in the marketplace. Right? That's that's. And, and for me, it, it's not, I mean, we work in financial services, so therefore that's why that's our vision. But I like the idea of podcasting and what we do in general here as a company, because our job is to just help people be their own loud, right? To be, to get their voice out into their specific place to share their wisdom and hopefully rise above the noise of, of some of the negative stuff that's out there. How do you feel about that? What do you think? Yeah. I mean, sense of purpose in life is, I mean, it, it's the human existence, right? I mean, everybody's got to find their why and you have different whys. You have your why in your life, you have your why in your business. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they're congruent and sometimes maybe they're a little bit different, I guess. But um, definitely, you know, important part of being resilient is feeling like you've got that base. And you always know people that have that base, they just have such an advantage, mm-hmm. right? Like I like to think that my childhood was such a, great base, you know, and I had some, um, strong people around me that helped me, you know, build that resilience when I was a kid. Um, I don't always, I don't always accept stress, uh, well, um, you know, I'm not trying to pretend that I do, Mm -hmm. but I'm strong in other areas that help me get back on track because I I do, I don't always take handle stress well right out of the gate when something first happens. But I have some other areas I'm really strong. I think that's what probably people, when they're listening to this list of 10 things, you know, we're marketing guys, right? And you've got a lot more depth than me in that regard, as far as your talents and your, your professional, professional career and your, all your credentials. But for me, I'm a marketing guy and an entrepreneur, right? Um, and, and at work. And so why are, why are we, these guys talking about this? Because it, it comes up every day. And there's things you can do every day 
to be better at it. And I think we all need to give ourselves some credit for being resilient because if you're listening to this podcast, you've got all kinds of resilience. You probably can work on some areas. So when we go through this list of 10, just think about where you're strong, where you're really strong, where you're weak, and maybe it'll make a difference in your life or business. So that's why we're talking about this stuff because we all do. We all live this stuff together, right? In our podcast, you know, we want to be real with you guys from time to time so you understand where we're coming from, what you can get better at. So well, sense on. of purpose, obviously. Huge. Well, I, but I want to I want to dial in a little bit more on the sense of purpose because I talked about our professional sense of purpose here, you know, top advisor marketing. But what is your personal sense of purpose? What how how do you and are you comfortable sharing what that is with our audience? I, my uh, my purpose is always to give. St- I, I I like the idea of people living better lives, hmm. and I don't just mean wealthier lives, but just better lives, feeling more connected, um, being able to pursue dreams. I mean, my own personal life, whether that's you know doing good for my family, in my community, it's helping my. Helping kids become better athletes, hockey players particularly, um, and all aspects of being a better athlete, like the mental side of it, the nutrition side of it, the working your tail off, you know, when nobody's looking side of it, you know, to being a good teammate, all those things. I'm a huge advocate for those things on a day-to-day basis with my connections to hockey in my community. And at work, uh, I've always had an affinity for trying to help advisors of better businesses. In fact, I think maybe something that's held me back in a way sometimes is wanting to try to do more for advisors. Yeah. Um, and we have to try to stick in our lanes as much as we can so we can help them as much as we can more in the areas that they need us and have hired us for. But I always have an affinity to try to, to do more for people. Um, but you're always best to stay in your lane, I find, because that's where you can help them most and then get other people to help in other areas. But anyway. Well, and, and for me, it's just, you know, I want to be the best, you know, husband, father, son, and brother that, that I can be. And uh, it's the same thing, right? It's, I want to I want to pass on whatever I possibly can to, to my family. And therefore, you know, you have that exponential growth. You raise good children, Hopefully those children will either have their own children or, or, or raise uh, friends that, that are, are going to be just that much better. But you just touched on number two, which is, you know, kind of staying in your lane, which the second one here is building a positive belief uh, surrounding your abilities. And, you know, that's, and I've said this many times on the podcast before, but Kirk, that, that's actually why I partnered with you. I partnered with you because you have a skill set I don't have, and I'm not saying I'll, I'll, I'll ever be able to absorb Kirk Lowe entirely, but just from the two years we've been working together, there's so much that I've had an opportunity to learn from you. And I'm very, very grateful for that. But I don't want to be you. I just want to be the best me I can, which has allowed me to figure out, you know, what my true skill sets and abilities are, which are are, are still to this day, I can't believe I get yeah. paid for it. But yeah, I think the, I think advisors, this shows up a lot in, in practices, right? So, um, we talked about we've talked before about the best business model. So mm-hmm. my my experience is the ensemble model, where people have different skills and they really work to those skills and stay in their lane. And then collectively, the synergies of that creates a better business than they would have been able to to create if they were trying to be more of those things or or do more of those roles. So those can have a that idea, you know, build positive beliefs in your abilities. 
and then st- stick to those things can have, I've added something to that, but um, mm-hmm. those can have really big influence on your business and, and in your, and in your life. I mean, finding a business partner who compliments you as an example. Um, it also, I, I'm going to stretch this a little what little bit into um, niche marketing, like finding your mm-hmm. strength and then exploiting that based on how you, how you market to people and who you market to. Um, but that's a big one. Yeah. What's number three? Number three is developing a strong social network. Um, you know, I, I think I hear this from you a lot that you have a very, very good core group of, of friends uh, and how they can help like you recharge your batteries. Is, is that, is that accurate? Yeah. There's different levels of that social network. I'll give you a great example. Recently, um, a kid that, um, plays hockey. He's, um, same age as my youngest boy. And one of his teammates, his mom died of a stroke about a week ago, week and a bit ago. And just out of nowhere, 40 something years old and, um, really sad, really beautiful family, boy and a girl. Uh, dad's a police officer. Um, really nice man, really dedicated to, to sports, the community, wonderful people like to have a lot of fun. Anyway, went to the funeral and standing room only just insane. And there were a ton of people from hockey. There were a ton of people from lacrosse cause they were big into lacrosse, uh, people from school, uh, people that had known them for their whole lives. Cause they grew, they apparently they both grew up in this community. Um, and the network that they had was such a mass, like he, he, he just couldn't stop talking about how utterly blown away with um, how many people showed up, how many people it was important to and cared. And that's what, how, how important resilience can be, right? When you come home from work and your family's there, or you can go hang out with friends, or maybe even you're hanging out with some colleagues that being able to wind down and have the right people. And it's no, you know, that's a huge thing. And the people that have those networks just seem to be able to, for the most part, bounce back because they got, they know they have so many people have their back or so many people there to support them. So that obviously that's an obvious, uh, huge one for resilience. Yeah. Well, the next one's embracing change and you and I uh, seem to embrace change well, uh, but there is an extreme on this too. There, there are sometimes where, uh, you know, advisors specifically and business owners don't want change because they, they get comfortable. And then there's other advisors and business owners and entrepreneurs who try to force too much change. How have you found a, a balance of embracing change? I'm not sure this one's very high up on my uh, really good at list, embracing okay. change. I, I don't, it depends if, if the change is, if you can see the the positives of the change, then it's usually pretty easy. Um, it, you know, change typically is a bunch more work. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've got a lot of other things on the go. So sometimes that can add some stress, but if you can see the, all the good reasons to why the change, you can find the optimism in the change. It seems to go a lot easier and I'm kind of hinting on what might be next. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't always do that on purpose. I'm not, looking ahead on the list, but well, it's uh, natural. It's the flow, right? I mean, uh, in in order to do a lot of these things, you, you do need to be optimistic. You, you have to be able to find the positive, uh, even in things that, that on the surface might not come across as being positive. Now, um, I am overly optimistic personally, uh, sometimes to a fault, which I 
I don't personally think it's a fault, but I've had other people in my life like, dude, you know, there is darkness, Matt. You always are looking at the light. But for me, it's it's what I prefer. It's how I choose to live my life. I would rather be, you know, looking at things in a positive light, uh, not abandoning reality, but that's just kind of who I am. Well, everybody knows you're positive because you bring, you start every podcast. You, you, you know, people, that's really you. Like, I wonder sometimes people think, man, how do you get that up and have so much energy? You're just a bit nutty like that, right? Oh, yeah. It's a wonderful part of your um, character is just be really being in it, being in the moment um, in a podcast. And the finding that energy it takes a little bit more for me, as everybody probably knows. But um, especially when I have these headphones on, you made me go back to these headphones. It's kind of like you're in this little. Yeah, you but can dude, hear you yourself sound. so crispy, so you lose energy. <laughs> but you sound so good, though, now. It's awesome. I know. I sound better. But um, anyway, so, yeah, so embracing change is a big part of that is about having a plan to embrace it and then being optimistic that you handle it, which is number five, being optimistic. And, well, you know, that stuff comes... If, if you're in business, it's a heck of a lot easier in life to be optimistic. Just yeah. things just, you've got a constant, every day you're re-energized, right? That's one of the things that I've always found about myself is when I wake up in the morning, whatever happened yesterday is almost always gone. I, I rarely ever have bad day hangovers, right? Whether it's my kids, my my relationship with my wife or my friends or anything, I just always feel ready to go. The next day, I don't, I'm not saying I wake up, you know, and, and feel the most energy in my body, but in my heart and my mind, I'm always ready to go. Well, it's funny that you bring up the, the, the podcast energy and honestly, Kirk, it's cause I love this man. Uh, you know, when you're doing something that you truly love and are passionate about being optimistic, you know, uh, positive beliefs, all of the things that, that we've talked about here. Uh, it just comes really, really naturally when when you're expressing yourself in the way uh, that you truly love. But the the number six, all right. So we just talked about finding a purpose, uh, positive beliefs in your abilities, developing a strong social network, embracing change, and being optimistic. The sixth one here is nurturing yourself, and this is where almost everybody, in my opinion, falls flat on their face. Boom! I just fell down. <laughs> Look, I fell you, flat. <laughs> well, I mean, how are you I'm nurturing yourself? I don't, I don't even know that I do. Let me huh. think. Um, I find, I find the best way that I nurture myself in a way is keeping, uh, busy and having, um, clear purposes in my downtime too. That always seems to work, but I don't know about nurturing. I don't know. Hmm. I think the, um, there's generations coming that are better at that. I wonder hmm. if it'll end up being better in life because of that. Well, uh, I mean, there's been some. Hopefully, I'm around to see yeah, see that. Yeah, I'm into that. <laughs> well, there have been some great studies about you know prioritization differences in in millennials and you know Gen Z. Um, uh, this this to me is the the thing that I used to focus on a lot as a, as a coach, and the thing that I got the most resistance on uh, was the nurturing yourself. Uh, I I am a huge fan of 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 quiet, uh, you know, meditation. Uh, I personally think everybody in the world should take a nap every day. Um, it's just a great way to refresh and recharge yourself and allow your brain to process everything that happened before uh, you you take a nap and then and afterwards. I think that's really important. 
you know, I, I absolutely think exercise has changed my life repeatedly, whether for good or bad, uh, whether that's I stopped exercising and then my body starts, you know, getting grumpy or when I do start exercising and just that magnificent feeling of, of taking care of this, this, you know, squishy temple that I get to live in for as long as I have the opportunity to live in it. Um, but squishy temple. It is a squishy temple. Mine, mine is <laughs> squishy or less squishy at other times in, in my life. Um, but you really do have to take care of yourself. This is the only self you have. Uh, your batteries are not, uh, they don't recharge themselves. So you have to recharge them and finding something that you truly love. And Kirk, I know for you, I, a lot of times it's, you know, being at the hockey rink, seeing the kids get better. I mean, that, that feeds your soul. Yes. I mean, uh, that's not all I do in my life. Well, but, sure. Uh, we might, we, you know, garden a lot and, mm-hmm. um, you know, spend time with the kids. But I think when you, I think when you see yourself as a resilient person, and I think most entrepreneurs have quite a bit of resilience. I think you think it's almost the opposite of nurturing yourself, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's like, I got this. Like I'm, I can handle this. I can handle this. I got this. I don't need to slow down. I'm resilient. I think it's, I think they're kind of, you know, they're the opposite in a way. I think one of them makes it more, but I know we're saying we're, we're defining this as how do you build resilience? You nurture yourself because then you're, you've got the energy and the resets to come back. But I think most people who are think of consider themselves resilient might not think they need that. That's right. And they're wrong. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm fine to admit that yeah. that I'm wrong and that there's probably a lot of entrepreneurs that are wrong, but I suspect that being strong in these other areas from a resilience perspective mm-hmm. may mean that they do not value yes. number six. Yeah, I, I absolutely so value agree. number six, everybody. Yeah. Number seven is develop your problem solving skills. Now, I your how your brain works on this is is really fascinating to me, and I'm not going to dive into my psych- psychological analysis of you on this, but please. Please don't. Oh, yeah, I'm not going to. But I love how you solve problems, and and it's it's very different than how I solve problems. And we don't need to get into the details on how each of us do it. But you have to have good problem solving skills. Whether and, and it's something you have to practice. Um, all of these are are things that if if you see yourself on a scale of one to ten and you're not where you want to be on that scale, then you need to find ways to practice. Uh, I talk about that in in, in the writing that I'm doing right now about listening. Uh, and I think one of the greatest ways to be a good problem solver and to be resilient and to be successful is to, to learn how to shut up, quiet your mind and listen to what's happening on the other end. Uh, and I of course couch that in the world of podcasting because that's how you become a good podcast host, but it's wildly applicable outside of that. You can't be a good problem solver, uh, unless you're truly able to, to quiet yourself and, and listen and, and truly see what the reality of the problem is. And instead of what you think the problem yeah. could be. I want to add to that because I think when I think about where I'm best able to problem solve is when I can remove myself from the emotional context of the decision, whether that's the burden of having to solve it or whether it's the burden of if I don't, what the implications are, if I don't solve it. So I find that when I remove myself, I can, I can be much better at problem solving. Mm-hmm. Some really successful entrepreneurs have that ability this opposable mind that they can get outside of the box box is probably not the right word kind of overused, but, um, as a problem solving, I, for me, it's when I try to, uh, if I can remove myself from the burdens 
absolving it that I can, I think I can do a better job at it. Yeah. Number eight is establishing goals. And, and I, I, uh, I have always had a different uh, perspective on goal setting than a lot of the other coaches that I've worked with, because I, I believe that in order to, uh, really focus on a goal, you have to have some sort of uh, tangible reward system when it comes to goals, because more income is nebulous, feeling better, you know, completing the project. Not, none of those things remind you, because if you can surround yourself with reminders of your success, you are more likely to achieve success later down the road. You know, you look at, you know, like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, there was a great meme going around with all of his, you know, rings, uh, for championships. Now, I know he doesn't wear those all the time, but he wears them and, and he has them in places that are, that are visible in order for him to maintain that level of motivation. Um, I, I never shy away from when somebody says, you know, Hey Matt, you know, I, I want to make a million dollars. Okay. Well, that's great. Well, what's your reward? Well, Matt, the reward is a million dollars. No, no, that's not the reward. Uh, you know, that's the achievement of the goal. What is the reward? And I wish more people would, would put that level of, tangibility on their, their results of achieving the goals. Because again, it just, and, and I have it, I don't know if you do Kirk, cause you and I really haven't spent a lot of time on this, but I mean, I've got reminders all over my office of, of different points in my life where, where I was successful. I've got my first practice makeover from investment news here. The first article I ever published in horse's mouth 10 years ago, uh, you know, a couple of other things. And when I'm feeling down, cause that happens, right? We're all human. Uh, you know, I look at this stuff and say, you know what, man, I, th- there's where I can pull some of my resilience when I don't have it just burning in my belly. Um, those things help me keep focused. Do you, do you have stuff like that? No, I'm really bad at that one. Hmm. Nurturing myself and celebrating milestones. I'm not great at it. Okay. I'm a head down, head down, Grind get it, it done. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Number nine. So I, oh, I'm not, ahead. I'm not laying on a coach here, everybody. We're just we're just being honest. Well, right? sure. Well, dude, we're, we didn't do this for self therapy, whatever. We just thought, you know what? This is really interesting. How each of our paths of resilience, how we might think of ourselves as resilient, and I I don't know that I don't know that advisors talk about this. And and this is kind of really interesting timing. But I was just in New York visiting with one of our uh, big clients. And somebody in the office wants to start a podcast on um, stress and mental health and things that nobody talks about in the financial industry. Mm-hmm. And I was just blown away by this person. Her name is Diana. Um, how dedicated, how her why for doing it, uh, how how committed she is and how excited she is to do this and, and, and giving back to the to the um, industry, really excited about it, and I, I hope it comes out not in the in the not too distant future because I think there's a lot of advisors who could benefit from getting real with some people and not feeling like they're in a big room, like feeling they can do it on their own time and experience maybe what some other advisors are going through, maybe even contribute to the show or listen to some professionals who can who can give advice on because we all. Um, we're all crazy busy. We're we're busier than other generations. We have way more stimulus to consume, and you got to understand that humans have a, probably have a capacity for that. Yeah. And we're maxed out. Yeah. A lot of us are maxed out. Financial industry is an incredibly 
can be an incredibly rewarding job, but it's extremely taxing. And why in the heck not talk about this? Well, and right? I want to I want to kind of you know circle back around to what you just said there because you know this isn't a Matt and Kirk therapy session. Of course, I, you know I'm the therapist and you're on the couch. But um, the idea here is you have to do this not only from a personal standpoint, but this is damn good marketing. All right. So let's, let's get real with the business aspect of this. The greatest people who market themselves, especially their personal brand, they allow their clients and prospects to see inside because that's where the connection hits. That's where you feel like, you know, somebody and Kirk, you just, this just happened with you when you were in New York, but a, a gentleman had said that, you know, he feels like he knows you already because he's listened to all of the podcasts, which still blows both of us away, which is great. And I've had that experience many times too. You know, you have to let people in just a little bit. Uh, now, you don't have to get weirdly uncomfortable and overshare, which we're not doing and no do we ever do on these podcasts, but you do need to let people in. You do need to allow people to get a glimpse of who you are as a human because that's going to endear them to you more. There's going to be a deeper connection and they're going to be more likely to refer you because that's truly how you build trust. Amen, brother. Okay. We've got two more on this 10. Take action to solve problems, which most financial services professionals are really, really good at. How did you, how do you handle that risk, Kirk, that, that, I'm going to make a decision. I'm not going to dwell on this. Let's just go and see what happens. Where did that come well, from with you? Yeah, I mean, we're all in a highly competitive. We're all we're in highly competitive businesses. You know, financial services. So are we. Marketing. Mm-hmm. There's not. There's not a lot of marketing people are there in the world. Not enough, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> there's a lot. So you're constantly, you know, aiming to get better. Um, I was reading something the other day about. The most successful people focus on making their clients as happy as possible and not and not worrying about their competitors or competition they're doing. They're just so dialed in. I'm not really sure that it makes sense in a moment, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure it makes complete sense. But um, you, know, you always want to know what I guess you want you want to know what your competitors are doing. Um, but you you know obviously got to focus on both those things. But anyway, so taking st- taking action to solve problems. Man, I'm stumped on that one. I mean, it just seems so straightforward. Like if you've got something, you know, if you don't solve it, then you're you're moving backwards pretty quick, and there's no room for that, and or 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 the status quo, which I think some advisors are yeah. pretty happy with. Some some of the fifty plus advisors, not always, but I do hear that more. You know, I just you know like to keep this thing running for another five years, sell it. And, I'm not sure that's a, the best mindset. I think that's a that's a huge bell going off that says bring in somebody with some more energy. Yeah, well, and we've got a client right now who's done that, and I think it's a wonderful thing for him because yeah. he, you know, I want this kind of lifestyle, but I don't. I'm not interested in going crazy to grow it. Well, find somebody else who wants to go crazy to grow it, mm-hmm. and you live your life, and you've got your succession plan in place. It's a wonderful option. I don't know how I went from take action to solve problems to that. But uh, you know what? Stream of consciousness, brother. Well, I I just, a lot of people 
that we do work with do get analysis paralysis, right? And so that's kind of where I, I wanted to go with the take action to solve problems. You can overanalyze, and sometimes you just need to do a gut check and make a decision. Now, the last one is the whole onus of, of this new thing that I'm writing, which is practice, right? You have to continuously work on your skills. That doesn't mean, everybody, that you keep going to all of these conferences, but Really what that means is you should stop going to some conferences and start going to other group organizations and get out of just going to financial services conventions um, because you're going to hear the same stuff over and over again, and that's not going to really break you out. The best thing that you can do, and there's an advisor uh, in Minnesota who uh, we just had um, her on the uh, this podcast. Her name is Brittany, uh, and then he's going to be on uh, another podcast that we do, which is the 99 Best Marketing Ideas. And he does that all the time. And that was one of the things I always loved about his name's Brian is he would always get out of his, his comfort zone. And he would go to like these weird conferences and, and, and meet all of these new people because he just wanted a different perspective. And that allows you, I believe, to have a fresh look at what you need to work on, not just personally, but professionally. How, how do you, Kirk, practice marketing? How do you practice branding? How do you keep sharpening your skills on a regular basis to provide that great service for our clients? I, I love judging marketing in other industries. Mm. And I remember as a teenager, I just was so engaged in, in, in giving feedback, whether it's in my, my own mind or whoever beside me on anything I'd ever seen marketing wise. And what's funny is my 16-year-old, my oldest boy, when we watch TV together or we're out doing anything, he loves, he's just exactly the same way, except for, I think he's way ahead of me. Uh, he's a really um, bright kid. But, um, and I think um, that's one of the ways I just, I apply, I love marketing. So I kind of practice, I'm always practicing in life um, and, and sales to a degree. You know, when, when you're somewhere and you experience how somebody else sells, I'm always, you know, absorbing that. It's funny, a funny story. I was in New York and I asked the hotel shuttle if they could shuttle me to this restaurant um, that I was going to. And I said, no problem. I get in the car. The previous day I had a guy pick me up at the airport and shuttle and he was in such a hurry. He was, you know, going way too fast. He was way too aggressive a driver he didn't look like he cared about his job at all. He didn't look at, but he cared about me because of how fast he was driving. And I was a little bit frustrated. I wasn't scared, but, um, and then, then the next day I get this other guy, he's older. He's really happy to have a job. You could tell he just, he, and then the, the van broke down <laughs> only like 200 meters or something from the hotel. I was like, Oh my gosh. I, what I didn't realize is how close where I was going was. And he's like, so I end up just walking. I gave him a way bigger tip because how he handled the adversity. Um, I'm way off on a tangent here, but um, he his skills that were not expected because his job was you know just to graciously drive me there. But he was such a nice, warm person. He accepted everything, so he treated his when he called his 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 boss, the manager at the hotel, and they had a mechanic come out. He was so gracious about everything that it kept me really calm. And then he gave me, you know, helped me solve what what I needed to do, which was, hey, it's just right there. Mm -hmm. um, I can we can call somebody. And he said, 
but you know, you're probably just as good off to walk and not wait for us anyway. Um, and ended up giving him a bigger tip Hmm. for driving me 150 meters or whatever it was. Huh? All right. I don't know where that, I don't know. What was What was my point there? Well, keep working on your skills. Yeah. Well, part, part of that is, is, you know, mindset, right? Mm hmm. Thank you. Yeah, it's right. always nice when a friend bails you out and you miss the point <laughs> and they somehow find a way to get uh, the point across. Yeah. Again, I have no idea how but, I'm able to do, uh, you know, uh, that's my weird, unique skill. It doesn't seem to be very transferable in other well, I places. Guess, I guess working on skills, like you said, it, there's so many different skills to work on. Mm-hmm. But But the resilience that he had in that moment got him a bigger tip because I sure. was so grateful that he didn't flip out and make me more stressed out because I was trying to make my lunch date. Who was my, who was my drive to the airport? (laughs) So, all right. Closing thoughts, Kirk on finding your resilience. Anything else you'd like to add? I I think that you'll, when you look at these 10 things, you're going to understand that you're, you know, strong at, you know, three to five of them and you're weak at, you know, three to five of them potentially Mm -hmm. and try to find maybe a little more balance in your resilience. And then how that impacts your business and your quality of life and all those things. Hopefully we gave you some insights, not only into us, but us being honest with about who we are and you're comfortable with that. And you can be comfortable with, you know, being you know, resilient in some areas and less resilient in the others and finding ways to, to make up for that or get better at it. Or at least, you know, starting point is just acknowledge it. So hopefully we've, by us sharing this with you, You've got something out of it. And another thing is, is to remember that when you're doing your own podcast or when you're meeting with your clients, that being real um, or showing weakness or having conversations like that doesn't, is not a bad thing. Most of the time people love to know who you are because they're experiencing the same thing. There's not, there's, I doubt there's going to be anybody that would ever read this and say, I'm strong in all 10 of those, baby. It's just not going to happen. If you are, you're probably not classified as human. Maybe you'd be a god or something like that. But um, hopefully this added something to your your day, your life, your work. Awesome. And if you really do think that you're great at all 10 of these, you're not being honest with yourself. Uh, you know, every, everybody has the ability to, to be more whatever, uh, better at whatever. Uh, and, uh, you know, this is the old Bruce Lee quote. Uh, you know, he, he talks about being like water. Uh, and not only making sure that you're fluid and flexible, but also that you always keep your glass half full because when it is entirely full, then any new knowledge, any new opportunities are just going to run over the top. Well, if you have not subscribed to the podcast, make sure you click that subscribe now button below. That way, every time we come out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And if you know somebody who really does need to have a resilience uh, check-in, check-up, or just a reminder, please make sure that you share this by clicking that share button below. If you want to know more about what we do at Top Advisor Marketing, just go ahead and email me, Matt, at topadvisorm, that M is for marketing.com, or you can just check us out and put, fill out the contact us form on our website. If you have not started your own podcast, you need to understand that uh, the wave is happening right now, and it's really, really good to be on top of that wave or in front of that wave, but it's not good to be behind the wave. So if you want to know more about that, just give us a holler. And for everybody at Top Advisor Marketing, including Kirk Lowe, this is Matt Hallern, and we'll see you on the other side of the mic very soon. Are you ready to change the way you communicate with your clients? Are you tired of being the best-kept secret in your area? Learn how to become a prolific online influencer, attract more ideal clients, and grow your business. 
Contact us today and see what the power of podcasting can do for your business. Click on the Contact Us link on our website at topadvisormarketing.com and set up a call to learn more. Follow us on LinkedIn and Facebook for more updates and information. This was brought to you by iris.xyz, a platform helping financial professionals become better in business and life through new media and new voices. Visit them and learn more at iris.xyz.